Welcome to the Adams Road Podcast, an outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. Every week we examine a chapter from the Bible and share music filled with God's Word. You can find our weekly content by searching Adams Road Podcast on your podcast app. Let's start today by listening through Acts chapter 4, verses 23 to 37. Being let go, they came to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard it, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, O Lord, you are God, who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David said, Why do the nations rage, and the peoples plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth take a stand, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly in this city against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your counsel foreordained to happen. Now, Lord, look at their hearts and grant your servants to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. When they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were gathered together. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. The multitude of those who believed were of one heart and soul. Not one of them claimed that anything of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Great grace was on them all, for neither was there among them any who lacked. For as many as were owners of lands and houses sold them, and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet. And distribution was made to each, according as any one had need. Joseph, who by the apostles was also called Barnabas, which is, being interpreted, son of encouragement, a Levite, a man of Cyprus by race, having a field, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. All right, this is our third and final episode here from Acts chapter 4. We're starting off today in verse 23. Being let go, they came to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard it, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. All right, pausing there for a second. So the disciples prayed out loud and in unison. Maybe it went down that one person prayed out loud and the others were agreeing in unity. And here's what they said. O Lord, you are God, who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all that's in them. All right, so they start here by acknowledging the greatness of God. They understand that God is mighty and able. The Greek word used for the word Lord here in this prayer is despotes, used of a slave owner or a ruler who has power that cannot be questioned. So we see here the tone being set from the beginning. They saw God as being in absolute control. Now when we pray, we can ask ourselves, do we seek to control our lives or are we surrendering to the one who is Lord? His is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Next, 
in the prayer here in Acts 4. These believers make a reference to Psalm chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, in regard to their own situation. They say, Who by the mouth of your servant David said, Why do the nations rage, and the people's plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth take a stand, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of God, were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, to do whatever your hand and your counsel foreordained to happen. The disciples here in this prayer are seeing their circumstances in light of God's word. Scripture gives us insight and perspective into the situations we face so we can boldly approach God in prayer and make our requests more in accordance with His will. They say, Now, Lord, look at their threats and grant to your servants to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Boldness is necessary at times to share God's truth in the face of opposition. How often do we ask for things from God that we know will bring discomfort and opposition because we're convinced receiving and doing God's will and plan is more significant than fulfilling our desires and maintaining the comforts we so often idolize. Declaring the message of Christ is what got them in so much trouble in the first place. Instead of backing down and submitting to the governmental authorities here who wanted to silence them and the progression of the movement, these believers, what do they do? They ask for boldness, more boldness in proclaiming the message, knowing that such boldness is gonna likely bring with it more persecution. What are some of the things we should be praying for that perhaps we sweep under the rug because we aren't ready to face the cost of those requests? Think of something even as simple as praying, your will be done. This request comes with the possibility that submission and change is gonna be required. Pray for patience, for example, and be prepared to be confronted in ways that will grow your patience. When we don't pray as we ought, which is often, probably, fortunately, we also have the intercession of the Holy Spirit as Paul teaches in Romans 8, starting in verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to his will, according to the will of God. No doubt the Holy Spirit was active in the utterance of the prayer of these saints here in Acts 4. And in their prayer, they also ask for signs and wonders to be done through the name of Jesus. Surely their request that signs and wonders continue to be done in Jesus' name was rooted in the desire to see God glorified and in many coming to faith. The temptation and potential snare in God working mightily through His people is that we redirect the cause and glory belonging to God to our own self-glory, advancement, and ambitions. Humility and reliance on God is a must. 
when God works through us for his honor and cause, it's important to stay grounded and centered in Christ and the truth that he must continually increase and we must decrease. Just as Peter was careful back in Acts 3 to give God glory after the healing of the lame man when the people marveled. Remember it says in Acts 3.12, And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this, or why do you stare at us? As though by our own power or piety, we made him walk. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus. And Peter goes on to say, And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that's through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. Moving on, back in Acts 4, starting in verse 31. When they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were gathered together. It appears God responds to their unified corporate prayer by shaking the place where they were gathered, perhaps in the form of an earthquake, so as to say, I hear you, and your requests are granted. Jesus promised, for example, in Matthew 18, verse 19, Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it'll be done for them by my Father in heaven. Shouldn't such a promise motivate us as believers to gather often and make our unified requests known to God? In ministry, for example, often I've experienced the most empowering moves of the Spirit at work in me in the context and aftermath of unified corporate prayer, where uh, requests and petitions are made regarding the work of the ministry with which I was involved. All right, moving on. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Again, we see the empowering work of the Holy Spirit here. Could they have boldly spoken God's word without the infilling of the Holy Spirit? Uh, probably not. Boldness doesn't water down God's word. Boldness doesn't gloss over aspects of the truth that are most offensive. Boldness declares the entire counsel of God. Moving on. Verse 32. The multitude of those who believed were of one heart and soul. How pleasing this must have been for Jesus, who had specifically prayed to the Father in John 17 for his disciples to be one. He prayed, The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Moving on back to Acts 4, not one of them claimed that anything of the things which he possessed was his own but they had all things in common. Also mentioned in Acts chapter 2, we see the believers sharing their resources with each other. So what's evident through these actions? One, people are more important than things. Two, God is the true owner of all things. We can ask, are our affections set more on things and possessions than they're set on people? Do we invest more time and energy into accumulating things for ourselves than we do into the welfare of people and to their souls? 
Do we hold tightly onto our possessions? Or do we have a loose grip, so to speak, willing to share them as needs arise within Christ's body? Are we willing to decrease so that others can increase? I know a Christian brother who had offered up the business he had founded and owned freely to God to be used as a resource for a particular Christian ministry. Let's assess our own situations and resources and consider how they might be used to further God's kingdom. Moving on, starting in Acts chapter 4, verse 33 here. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Great grace was upon them all. To me, this is just evidence that their prayer requests had been granted. They were boldly declaring God's word with great power. And what should be central in our testimony of God, as was in theirs? The resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Jesus lives today. He's a resurrected Lord, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, making intercession for his people. He seeks the lost and finds them rejoicing. He pursues a loving and vibrant relationship with his adopted children, those who have received him by faith. Have we experienced Christ and the power of his resurrection in our own lives? Do we testify to it? I was dead in my sins and Jesus showed up and brought life into my dead soul. He poured his love into my heart when I acknowledged my sins before him and cried out for forgiveness and salvation. I've experienced the grace of God in my life. Jesus, he's affirmed his love for me and given me the assurance of eternal life. Guys, there's no greater gift than encountering and getting to know Jesus. He is the resurrection and the life. And as Peter declared earlier here in Acts 4.12, there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that is given among men by which we must be saved. Moving on, verse 34. For neither was there among them any who lacked, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made to each according as anyone had need. People took initiative and willingly sold possessions for distribution as anyone had need. Remember the context here in the early Jerusalem church where many had come from abroad having responded to the gospel on Pentecost. Many of the dispersion, or the Jews that lived outside of Israel, they had left their homes and lands behind from afar to be near and in unity with the church, growing under the apostles' teachings. When refugees, for example, evacuate their homeland in war for a new country, this places a huge need and burden on the people and land to which they are entering. What opportunities have you embraced to share resources with those truly in a desperate situation? We can feed the hungry, provide water for the thirsty, welcome strangers, clothe the naked and visit the sick and imprisoned. More so, what spiritual needs can we address with those among us? We can offer people the bread of life, Jesus. Those who are naked in the condemnation of their sins we can invite to be clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Those imprisoned in sin can be set free by Jesus. Those who are aliens and enemies to God 
we can invite to be reconciled to God in Christ. One more point. Regarding distribution within the Christian church, we actually see ground rules put into place by the Apostle Paul himself in his letters to the Gentile churches years after the Jerusalem church of Acts 4, which itself struggled with poverty. Perhaps some people abused the church's generosity over time, which could have contributed to and necessitated Paul's instructions, which perhaps brings some balance and additional perspective regarding Acts 2 verses 34 to 35. I think it's important to consider his instructions in the modern context that local churches and its members be good stewards of the resources with which God has provided. In other words, we shouldn't just haphazardly give away resources without proper discernment. From Paul's instructions in 1 Timothy and 1 and 2 Thessalonians, consider the following. The church must discern those who are truly needy from impostors. Those able to work shouldn't be taking advantage of the church's resources, but rather must provide for their own needs. And those who are truly needy ought to have their needs provided first by relatives and only by the church if necessary. It's right for those who make a return to the church to be supported by them, of course, but examining moral conduct before giving support is also wise stewardship. And finally, church support shouldn't extend to unnecessary and extravagant living, but rather provide the most basic needs of living. And again, these concepts come from the Apostle Paul's epistles in 1 Timothy and 1 and 2 Thessalonians. And I encourage you to go back and study those for yourself. All right, moving on. Acts 4.36. Joseph, who by the apostles was also called Barnabas, which is being interpreted son of encouragement, a Levite, a man of Cyprus by race, having a field sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. This was the same Barnabas we'll see later on in the book of Acts, who's willing to embrace a young and newly converted Paul. In fact, he took Paul under his wing and introduced him to the other apostles. Many of the other disciples were understandably hesitant to accept this newly converted ex-Pharisee, Paul. After all, he had previously gone house to house, ravaging and persecuting the Christians, and was present at the stoning of Stephen. Son of encouragement, as we'll see, is definitely such a fitting description for Joseph called Barnabas. But not only was he a graceful and forgiving man, but here in Acts chapter 4, we see that he was also extremely generous, no doubt an example and leader in the early church. Perhaps you've known a Barnabas among your own local church family, one abounding in encouragement and generosity, what a blessing such a person is to the body of Christ. And such a person can be you and me if we so desire. After all, it's more blessed to give, as Jesus said, than it is to receive. Ask yourself, are there any divisions? Is there strife or jealousy in the denomination? Oh
never been many If the body were just an ear Then how would it see? Christians are the body of Christ And each has a role to fill The spirit apportions gifts To each one as That was one from the Adams Road album, Enemy of the Cross. This is the Adams Road Podcast, 
and outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. You can learn more about us at AdamsRoadMinistry.com. Again, that's AdamsRoadMinistry.com. We release a new podcast episode every Saturday. Feel free to join us next week as we examine Acts chapter 5. Grace and peace be with you all.